As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. At this point, it's really become sort of a meme that as soon as we stop recording an episode of Times Ours, like 97 Chiefs things happen, even in the slowest parts of the offseason. Like, we were talking about mini camps and what's Bashaw Breeland going to do. And look at how, you know, I wonder how Kyle Long's going to step in. And we hit stop recording. And like 20 minutes later, Bashad Breeland signs with the Vikings. And I think a couple days later, Kyle Long suffers a serious injury. Then we get through some more mini camps and mandatory mini camps. And now we're here for the latest edition of Times Ours here on The Athletic. Guys, as usual, we have several things to cover, things that happened shortly after we finished the last episode. But it does mean that even here at the beginning of the absolute worst weather time in Kansas City until it just keeps getting hotter, at least, uh, we, we can stay busy while hopefully predominantly staying inside. Nate, how was it being outside of the practices, by the way? It was it was it was pleasant until it wasn't. Um <laughs> in terms of the heat. Yeah, who knew that it was going to be in the 90s in like 2 days. Uh it was it was a blast, man. There's a good mix of guys I'm really really familiar with. Yep, that looks right. Yep, that route looks exactly the same, Kelsey. Yep, you you know take take the next take the next 10 reps off. Um but there's enough <laughs> new guys that it's it's sort of tintillating and it's alluring in, in like best possible scenarios and also as i know josh we're gonna get to worst possible scenarios because you kind of have to manage both sides um in similar ways that like the coaching staff has to deal with um because the front office has just about done most of its job so far um and now the coaching staff you know tried some things that i can get to just a little bit as we roll into camp, as I wrote in the athletic earlier this week, they are expect. Uh, all right, hey, take a deep breath, ladies and gentlemen. Go on your travel website of choice. They are expected to be in St. Joseph at Missouri Western State University in about a month's time. Um, I think. What I gathered 
this week as I look forward a month from now or about five weeks is there are some new players that are intriguing enough to make you believe, okay, I can see the plan. I see some new stuff. Uh, There's a lot to take in because there's, you know, 89, 90 guys, depending on uh, the practice schedules that have come out. But I, I think it was fun to be there. It was fun to have fans there, I believe, on Wednesday. Um, you know, about 300 season ticket holders. Uh, I know there was some discrepancy about who was selected and who wasn't informed of this. But, <laughs> um, you know, when Patrick Mahomes scrambles to his right and throws a night, a nice pass to Tyreek Hill, there's an applause. And, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of like what it used to be. And I just hope I say that more and more. Um, but. There's plenty to talk about, fellas, because uh, I'm going to try to be respectful to the rules. Circumspect. (laughs) But also give people as much information as I can in this hour. Circumspect and defiant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm here for it. Let's do it. There's lots to talk about. This is awesome. By the way, Josh, how come you didn't introduce me? Well, I was going to. And this happens every once in a while, and Seth, it wouldn't. It, I would not surprise me if you saw it as a slight. Because what happens is, I usually talk for too long, and then I realize I'm talking for too long, and then I t- kick it to Nate, and then Nate talks for a very long time, and then the show just kind of starts out of that. <laughs> and then, and then the millions and millions. <laughs> Of Seth Kaiser fans are like, oh man, is this another one Seth's not here? <laughs> right. No, and, and what numbers, it is numbers, really is numbers it's, may it's, not be accurate. That's close enough. Yeah. What it really is then is it just we're four minutes in and it's fully within the show now. And so I've I've tried to take more of a of a direct approach to introducing all of us by name, like the fact that I'm Joshua Briscoe and first you heard Nate Taylor and then Seth Kaiser is the one complaining. Um, and, you know, so I do want to make I, I try. That's actually pretty true. I, I try to. Uh, I, I try to introduce us, you know, again, as a little more of a, of a concerted effort, but I, I fail frequently at all things. So what you're saying is, um, Josh or Chris Paul, you've brought it up to the top of the key. <laughs> Everybody settle. I am, I guess, uh, you know, I guess I'm Booker. And, you know, I get it on the wing. I, I sort of feel out what's in front of me. Nope, don't like it. Here you go, Chris. And uh, and Seth's just DeAndre Ayton, just just waiting. Just is, that, just, is this, this where is the ball going to come to me? Oh, yes. ball. Okay, yes. so you guys it's are talking the, about volleyball. It's the no, it's the one that you bounce on the ground a bunch. You yes, know, the Nate, only sport that I played, by the I, way. <laughs> I'm I'm Chris Paul. You're right. And I'm, I'm, I I come up and I'm like, you know what? Looks like Book's got a shot over there. So I, I flip it over to you. You take it. You take a little bit. You you pound the ball. You pound the ball a little bit. You you take your time. You look around. You see what the shot clock's doing. You're not loving it. And then it's yep. over the top to Seth. Lays it in. Seth only touches the ball for like two seconds, but he gets all the credit in the stat sheet. I am the uh, I'm the Tyson Chandler of this <laughs> entire thing. I don't touch the ball, and when I do, it is as I'm about to dunk. That's it. That's yes. like I'm rolling towards the hoop, and it looks great, but that's literally all I do on offense. And hey, you know what? Chandler had a great career doing that. You 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 do almost play it as if it's volleyball. 
for the most yeah. part. It's, you hold the ball about the same amount. You ever, and I understand we, we've got to, you know, this is going to earn us a, a negative Apple review where they say we giggle too much. Um, <laughs> we have you ever, you ever watched? Nate said we're going back to St. Joe's. We're going, we're back, to we're going back to St. Joe's. Just on a side note with volleyball, if you've never seen it, Scott Sterling volleyball video is one of the funnier things you'll ever watch. You're welcome. All right, thank you. I wasn't going to thank you, but you said you're welcome so so aggressively that I figured <laughs> I probably should. Uh, let's let's talk about a few of the things that we've missed since we've we've, we've last done a show. Uh, I'm going to start with the offensive line. We'll we'll get to Bashad Breland in a second. At this point, mm. I'm pretty exasperated. You guys all get it. I we can wrap that one up pretty quickly, I think. But uh, there is at least a, a newish detail there that I think is fascinating. But Kyle Long uh, gets injured during uh, during OTAs. Mm-hmm. It sounds Andy Reid has gotten as specific as knee injury. Yeah. And according to several reports, and, and Nate, I, you'll have all this as well, obviously. Um, sounds like it, it's a it's a knee issue that will keep him out until around the start of the season. Like that, to say that he'll be back that you know Friday before week one, I have no idea, but that seems like the timeline right now. Uh, Nate, is there anything else that you can add to that? And do you have a feel like did you did it feel like Kyle Long was the favorite to start at right guard pre-injury? No. Here's why. Ooh. Okay. Um I know people um back in April, May, as we were coming into the draft, coming out of the draft, I know that there are some people in the comment section of my articles that would say, how is how long not the projected starter here? And I always sort of couched it by saying, look, they're competing. Um, this whole thing from the start has been a competition. And the race, we're not even halfway through it, guys. Like we, You won't know who the starting right guard is in general until the week of September. September like fifth ish. I mean, I don't even know if the preseason is going to fully dictate what the outcome is, just because I know how Andy Heck has worked in the past as the offensive line assistant. I know Andy Reid likes to see certain things in training camp and in the preseason that will have no bearing on the regular season. But you might as well take a look at it now before something has to force your hand, and then you have no idea what it looks like, uh, a la the Super Bowl last year. So. He was coming out of retirement, folks. Like, it's – and I know some people have said this already. Um, he was coming out of retirement, one. Two, these are non-padded practices, which is concerning. Three, he hadn't played football. Like, I just – I know people will have the same similar arguments to make when it comes to Laurent Duvet Tardif. Um, and I've always said it's his job until proven otherwise. And that still holds today in my opinion and my assessment of the team and how the roster is being constructed right now. But, um, Kyle Long's job was to just make the roster and then go from there, whatever occurs. Um, he will probably, I think, I think the wise thing, if everything holds form and you don't have any other major injuries on the offensive line. I think, and I think I've written this, but I think the, the, the part that needs to probably happen is give this man time. He's again, coming out of retirement off now a knee injury. Uh, so he, he's probably going to be on the physically unable to perform list. So that will scratch off six weeks of the regular season to get him back in, in, in a more slower pace to return. Um, 
And then look, it's unfortunate that he won't have the preseason to sort of get into some level of a rhythm, uh, but maybe he'll be of value to you in November. So with all of that then being said, there's one name that has gotten a whole lot of conversations as of late uh, at that group. You've got LDT, as you said, he's coming back. He's there. He's sort of the incumbent, even though he didn't play last year. You have Kyle Long. You have a ton of other guys at the position and and you're, that have played it before. Andrew Wiley is not excellent, but he's played a lot of, of NFL guard. Uh, Nick Allegretti was playing there throughout the majority of last season all the way through the Super Bowl. Austin Blythe was a guard before he was a center. Uh, he's here now. Mike Rimmers was the Chiefs' first guard up. Uh, you know, whenever their injury started last year. And then you mm-hmm. also have Trey Smith. We were talking a little bit before the show that that Trey Smith has gotten a whole lot of a whole lot of love as of late. And then right as the show was starting, I saw a tweet from former mayor Sly James <laughs> tweeting at our friend Ryan Tracy, tweeting, Smith will be a starter at right guard by game four and may even start the season there. You heard it here first. Nate, are you gonna tell the former mayor that he's wrong? Yeah. in short yeah um at least right now i mean it's 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 june 18th remember when you would watch naked and afraid and they would be like you gotta start a fire we gotta start the fire if we don't have a fire i would be shivering and i ain't gotta eat and like all hell breaks loose but mentally and emotionally the fire is kind of everything so where we are right now with trey smith is you you oh oh I see sparks oh we we got some here like but don't blow on it too hard let, let that thing let that thing pick up let that thing grow where's do we have enough air for this to catch flame we are so early in this process and I know it could be Sly James I know it could be Lewis Riddick I know it could be people in the in the Chiefs organization I understand this like I am in a communicative field and of course I've communicated with folks it is so early. That I just can't say Trey Smith's your day one starter or Trey Smith's your starter in week four. Like I just I can't say that right now. Um he has also exceeded expectations. He has also not made any rookie mistakes that are super glaring. Um, as I wrote in the athletic yesterday, um the Chiefs worked on blitzes. For Patrick Mahomes, which I know we're going to get to him in a minute. But, you know, as I wrote, the practices on Tuesday and Wednesday that were blitz heavy were instructional for Mahomes, but mostly for his linemen. And um, if you read the story, kids, uh, the left tackle was Orlando Brown. The left guard was Joe Dooney. Center was rookie Creed Humphrey, who quietly is, is better than Trey Smith right now. Um, right guard Trey Smith and right tackle Mike Rimmers. Wait, Raycard who? Trey Smith. What? Oh, okay, that's it. Shut it down. We heard it. That's it. The only thing... I, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening until the last 30 seconds. So what I'm taking from this is that, <laughs> that you... I, I'm taking two things from this. One, Creed Humphrey is better than Trey Smith, which is astonishing because Trey Smith's going to be starting by week four. That's approximately what you said or no? We just need to all... Enjoy the calendar for what it is. Enjoy yes. the hype train for what it is. 
And let's put on the damn pads, okay, before I start (laughs) making proclamations about the upcoming season. Like, I just, especially when it comes to the trenches. Now, on the defensive side, it's a little easier to do just because those are mostly veterans um, and it's not a whole new group. Um, There's a reason Laurent Duet Tardif's on the roster. I mean, he just got here. Um, I know y'all don't want to hear it. He played well in the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl. Like, just don't forget that fact. Um, I like Nick Allegretti. I don't know what will be of him. Might be backup center. You know, we'll see where that goes. Uh, And even for Mike Rimmers and the Lucas Niang battle, I mean, that's still early too. So you could take this as a reference point. They got to put on the pass. They got to play a couple preseason games. Can Trey Smith be the starter? Sure. Will he? That's way too early to know. And I just, again, I just need to see it. Even though he's done everything you could ask a rookie to do coming up to June 18th. Josh, I know you may not have wanted to hear that, but that's just the truth. I feel like I'm actually the closest to anything to being a a uh, there are 97 veteran guards on this roster truther and that one of those guys is probably going to be there um, if, and that I, I, I very much feel where you're coming from, I think, because if it is Trey Smith, it's awesome. And if it's Trey Smith next year, it's awesome because you're yes. hoping to, to that, offset that, the massive that is contract. actually the that's actually the plan. Josh is right. It's for Trey Smith to, you know, develop, get ingratiated in the NFL, not. Uh, force him to play sooner rather than later. And then, I don't know, you have a 17-game sample. If you hope, Chiefs 20 to 21, depending on Super Bowl stuff. Um, And then he's fully ready to go in year two. I mean, guys, the amount of stuff that I had to say last year in regards to Willie Gay. Mm. And now this year, I could say, Oh, he's actually ready. Like, I know this. Like, I've seen it. Like, he's he appears to be ready to be an NFL starter. I can't say that about Trey Smith on June 18th. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, Seth, you had a really good piece up on the Chief of the North newsletter celebrating a one-year anniversary, by the way. So go check that out if you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. MNChiefsFan.Substack.com. Uh, but you wrote about the Chiefs offensive line for 2021, what you think it's going to look like, what you think it it ideally would look like, what you think it will actually look like, some of the storylines you're keeping an eye on. If people want all the good stuff, they got to go read it. But um, what do you make of everything Nate laid out there, and how are you feeling about the front five right now? You know, I just uh, the the Trey Smith thing. The the excellent point that Nate made is you should probably like wait till they got on some pads. Like, <laughs> I mean, now to be fair, some of the things that you can look at with these non-padded practices is some of the mental processing stuff. And you can look at some one-on-ones, but not really, right? Pads matter, like, a lot. Um, there's a reason why we talk about, like, pad level, right? Like, you know, these these things are important. Um, but one thing, it is interesting to me, though, that he's exceeding expectations. I, 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 I felt you dousing me with all that ice water, Nate. What you didn't know is that this is an electrical fire. <laughs> And it will do nothing. <laughs> nothing, sir. You have only made the problem worse. <laughs> um, I, I would just say, this worth noting, the Chiefs have 
it seems pretty clear they want Creed Humphrey to start, and I think he'll be able to. And I think he's going to be good. I mean, we'll see how it goes. There's no sure things. He reminds me of a of a maybe a stronger Mitch Morse. That would be amazing. They 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 seem to at least be trying to give Lucas Niang a legit shot at right tackle over Remmers. And so, like, if you throw Trey Smith in the mix, you're talking three rookies. Mm-hmm. And playing offensive line as a rookie is hard. So. That's just something I was just thinking about that as Nate talked. Um, I did write about the offensive line. That right guard spot, the thing that I worry about is that, and this is the storyline I'm watching, that you can mm. read about on the Chief of the North newsletter. Mm. Um, the, the thing with, with me at right guard is there are a lot of bodies there. But we've had multiple years where there were kind of a lot of bodies for the interior line. You know, where it's like, well, you got a bunch of guys that could maybe win the job. But you don't really know. And what's the old expression that isn't really a fair one? Like, you know, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because no one's like, yeah, the Chiefs have two legitimate starting quarterbacks. Like, no, they got Patrick Mahomes, and yeah. they're lucky to have some decent backups. Like, that's that's the conversation. And the thing for me that I'm concerned about with right guard is that there's going to be like a winner by default. Like, that Kyle Long, because of injury, because of being out of football for a year – isn't really going to be able to assert himself or whatever. Um, LDT, I mean, he said, himself said the first time he put on a helmet before the last couple days was the Super Bowl. It's been a minute, right? And, you know, Allegretti was inconsistent. Andrew Wiley had a down year last year. Austin Blythe, maybe. There's just a lot of question marks there. And I think why people are grabbing onto the Trey Smith thing is there's this idea this of someone seizing the job in a way that we haven't really seen it seized in recent years. Yeah. I think that, I mean, just that's all you got, I guess, Seth. I mean, whatever. Just remember, Sorry about the ball drive. I just, I always, I always think that the engine's still revving, man. This it's is, so hard for me. We've been doing this show together for a God knows how long. We've been doing radio together for God knows how much longer, and I still never really know when you're finishing a sentence. That you know what? My wife's been married to me for coming up on 14 more years, and she said almost verbatim that to me last night. Like, I mean, I mean, we're talking. Like, did she text you and tell you to say that? Because that is. Spooky. Oh, Holy man. crap. Could you so, just start finishing? Whenever you have a big thought, could you just wrap it up and then just go, period? And then I'll know that that, even then I'm afraid you'll have something parenthetical after it. But if yeah. you could just start punctuating period. yourself. And furthermore, <laughs> that, that's going to be tough for me not to do. But yeah, the yeah. right guard position is the one that I worry about the most on the roster. I, I like LDT. Hopefully he can recapture like his 2017-2018 form. Um, Kyle Long's a great swing. I really like Trey Smith as a prospect. The 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 smoke around him has been pretty intense. It is interesting to hear like Riddick and people saying stuff. It's just he was. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to help you with the with the with the water here, Nate. Mm-hmm. Keep it in mind. I'm gonna bring in maybe a little a fire extinguisher because again, this is an electric fire. We need to be careful here. Um, it, Trey Smith has really good college tape. But there are some consistency issues, mm-hmm. and, and, you, and you've and you've written uh, beautifully about this in in really good detail about um, he's he's one of these guys that's like I'm gonna work this man, and then you're like, mm-hmm. but you're out of position and you're not technically sound, and like, why are mm-hmm. you? Why is one snap leading to the next in a not great way? 
Correct. You don't have... That's something like if you really want to see why I'm a lot more optimistic about Humphrey starting this year and playing at a high level, and I, I really think he might, if you watch... Just watch a game of Creed Humphrey um, against whatever decent level competition, then watch a game of Trey Smith. And you will see the difference in consistency. Because Humphrey is the same dude in every game I watched. Um, Played at a high level in every single game I watched. Trey Smith, snap by snap, you were never quite sure what you were getting. Now, Andy Heck is a, a really good offensive line coach. You're welcome for avoiding the heck of a line coach joke there. <laughs> um, does it really count when you say, you know what? I'm, no, I can't still do this. made it anyway. <laughs> um, these are really good line coach. Andy Reed is good at putting his offensive lineman in position to succeed, but there are some rough areas that need to be ironed out and talent alone does not make an NFL starting lineman. I'm not saying he can't do it. I've heard, I've heard the man interview. He interviews really well. Everything about him is that he's really sharp. He yep. knows what he's, he knows what he's doing, but I don't know if I saw a massive difference in how he looked in year one versus how he looked in year three in college. If that makes sense. I just think it's kind of wild that we went so quickly. Like draft night was like, wow, you know, if he could be the the starting right guard in 2022, this offensive line could be starting three (laughs) second year players to the right side of two like guys are being played by superstars. And then by the end of May, it was like, Trey Smith starts or we riot. (laughs) I was like, that's okay. That's fine, I guess. But why did that happen? Did he play more games between the draft and – May 30th that I didn't real. I don't. All right, guys, that's fine. Is it, um, it is it possible for Laurent Duvernay Tardy to take a year off, come back, be more technically sound? Already, already knows the offense by and large. Um, his body's fresher. And look, there's a chance that this could be the best version of him at this age. Um, and then anything after that is clearly a bonus because I think both he and the Chiefs realize this is this is probably. Um, the best opportunity for both of us to make this work. But I mean, there, mm. look, there's a, there's a chance. There's a legitimate chance. And just, I know people don't discuss it because he, he wasn't drafted <laughs> like two months ago, but look, there's, I just want to say that it is Laurent Duvernay Tardif's job until proven otherwise. And that may happen in late August, early September, or even into October. It To, to that point, And something Seth said earlier about like, you know, the fear that it just kind of gets won by default. I'm not that worried about it. Because I think if LDT wins it by default, it's probably fine. If Austin Blythe wins it by default, it's probably fine. Like, I just, there are so many guys there that I feel like the hey, idea that hey, all of hey, them are significantly below average feels very unlikely to me. Hey, hey Josh, I didn't I didn't see Austin Blythe play guard this week. Yeah, I that, that doesn't surprise me a ton, I guess, because I feel like, I feel like he, it would be a little bit weird to be trying to hold up the idea of a center competition while having the backup center playing some starting guard reps next to the real starting center. But just from that conglomerate of of dudes, I feel like somebody's going to be. If, if Andrew Weiler and Nick Allegretti is starting at guard in week one, I don't think it's going to be the reason the Chiefs, you know, lose their, their week one matchup against the Browns. I don't think they're going to do that anyway, which is sort of the point. Yeah, I, I just want to, I really hope we see less of, yeah, it'll be all right on the interior than what we've seen in recent years. You know what I mean? Because I agree with you. If you're going to be, yeah, that's all right. Anywhere on offense, that's the place to be that. But it's, it's just with this complete overhaul of the offensive line, it would be awesome to see consistently 
average play at least at the position. Yeah. And they have not gotten that in a few years. And that's tough. But again, yeah, it's not going to sink them. And so much is going to depend on what happens everywhere else. You know, if Remmers comes in and plays at right tackle the exact same level he played last year, Humphrey does what they think he's going to do, Brown and Tooney are who they think they are, they can have sub-average play at right guard and still have a right. really good offensive line. Right. That, um, that all it, plays into it for me. Right. And so, yeah, if there's going to be any one spot where it's like, I don't know, right guard would be the place to be. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's there's a bunch of, of camp stuff that I want to get to in a second, but the thing that I mentioned earlier that broke immediately after we finished the last episode was that Bashad Breland did go sign with the Minnesota Vikings. It, it you want to talk about position groups that I think you're you're a heartbeat away from being in trouble at. This is still the one for me surprising absolutely nobody. He signs with the Vikings. It's originally reported as a one year deal worth up to four million dollars. Said at the time it wasn't going to be worth $4 million because if it was, they wouldn't have tweeted up to. Um, it, it turns out that his cap hit this year is $2.7 million. That's the, the final number with some not likely to be earned incentives that would get it up to $4 million. If he hits those, that number would go next year. It's how those incentives work. Um, I was frustrated by this in a significant way whenever I thought it could have been a 3 to $4 million cap hit. And I, I tweeted out the math at the time that the Chiefs basically got Mike Hughes, who the Vikings did not want anymore, who has been hurt and not particularly excellent when he's been healthy. They gave up a, a better, very late, admittedly, draft pick. And they got about a million, they got about $2 million or so in uh, in salary cap space. Mike Hughes' cap hit now, it's it's $1.8 million, uh, opposed to Breland's $2.7 million. They, they gave up. They moved back, let's say, 25 or 30 spots in the draft, late at the very end of the draft. Picked up Mike Hughes, who cost a million dollars less than Bashad Breland, and Breland went to the Vikings. And man, you guys can keep trying to help me understand that one, but it's simply, I do not think it is in the cards for me, because every step along the way, this deal got, and the Chiefs cornerback strategy got even more confusing. Because I just, even if you believe in everybody down the, the, the depth chart, I don't feel like there's any reason to not bring Bashad Breland back for $3 million for one year, whenever you are adding other guys that are less proven, more injured, and about the same price. Somebody make it make sense. Um, it's a bit of a gamble. Uh, it also shows a bit of trust and faith in Traverius Ward and, um, you know, LeJarrius Snee and a smidge of Rashad Fitton. Here's something that's not going to make you feel great, Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, if Again, if you read my observations, both intentionally and then kind of what's below the surface, mm-hmm. anytime Mike uses name was brought up, didn't 
Um, now, hedging here, he is learning the playbook. He did come later than the rest of the veterans, obviously, via the trade. Training camp will be the true indicator of what he's capable of doing in the Steve Spagnuolo system. Although, Seth and Josh, up and down and more down than up. This is the, so this is the whole point for me. <laughs> Here's my whole point is that you can say that I had no problem with the Mike Hughes trade when it happened. You go back and check the podcast when that trade happened. And I'm almost certain what I said was this is fine as long as it doesn't mean they're not going to bring back Bashad Breland. I like Rashad Fenton a nice little amount. We talked about him last episode. That what hey, you had there, Nate, was really interesting. I, I, I asked I asked our, our good friends, colleagues, Matt Derrick, Adam Teicher, Herbie Teope, uh, Sammy Dow. We all agree. Rashad Fitton can play, y'all. Like, yeah. I have no yeah. issues with Rashad Fitton. He is a smart player, knows his limitations, can make a play um, when when the opportunity presents itself. I Guys, with Mike Hughes, um, we going to see. We gonna, like, camp will be the real indicator. I don't know how much they'll play him in the training camp session because he's clearly, like, the fourth, fifth, you know, cornerback in my eyes. And so... Uh, it's a it's a issue of what does Spagnuolo want to do in terms of like getting the guys ready that he knows he's going to use versus like a new guy that you know history shows that he can he can bring cornerbacks slowly along and those roles will adjust as the season goes on and I think Mike kind of fits that description. But hey, uh, Rashad Fitton looks the part. Mike Hughes again, more down the note, but it's early. Yeah, but like, it, think of the conversation we just had about guard. The reason I just explained that I'm not really worried about it is because I think there are like five dudes who could play there and it would be fine. We we Traverius Ward has some ups and downs, but he can play. Rashad Fenton, think he can play. Legarius Sneed, we've seen him play for exactly one year and a, a year where he missed some time. It's rookie season, sophomore slumps happen, especially at corner. But we all think that Legarius Sneed can play. I don't know if DeAndre Baker can physically play right now. Uh, and then I don't know that any of the other, other guys behind them can play at an NFL level. And whenever you have an opportunity to have LDT or your Andrew Wiley type, whatever it might be for the guard analogy, I think it's probably LDT, honestly, uh, the incumbent who you've seen do it most recently, you have that option at a way more volatile position like corner, where also depth is more important. You need more of them. And the Chiefs just let them walk for, for a, a sub three cap hit. I just don't. I don't understand how that strategy makes any sense, even if you are the most optimistic person in the world about everybody else that's in that group. Seth, where are you at on that? I think you will drive yourself less crazy if you disassociate the two moves. Um, I would assume, but that's a dangerous thing to do, that they didn't not bring back Breland because they have Mike Hughes. However... Obviously, given the timing of the moves, it's hard not yes. to associate the two of them. Yes. Right. And, and look, yeah. and look, as I first reported, Seth, he visited the Vikings, which was the case to be made that it was the Vikings. It was the Vikings not beating against themselves, but the front runners for Bashad Breeland services. And obviously it played out the way it did. Right. Um, and so I would say in terms of it's not what I would have done. And I mean, in terms of feeling better about it, the the big thing, it really is just a matter of they have shown the ability to get, and I think the way I phrased it to you, Josh, earlier this week, at this point, I'm curious if Brett Veach could draft a pack of gum in the seventh round 
and Spagnolo could turn them into a viable NFL cornerback in his system because they have the three guys we're comfortable with are late round pick, really late round pick, and then a dude that was traded for for uh, offensive lineman they were going to cut. Who went undrafted? Who went undrafted? And and bo- and not only did they contribute, they contributed early. Remember when I mean Fenton wasn't just a late round pick. He was a late round pick that people didn't really like. Um, everyone was really high on uh, the undrafted dude they had, the, the more athletic guy from the same team, if I recall. But I did, I don't even remember his name, which shows how that went. Um, and then Fenton was called upon a lot more than anyone thought he would be as a rookie year. Played well. Played pretty well last year. I mean, and so this the Sneed thing coming in, playing well right away. It, like you said, it, it's not – if, if I were to comfort you, and I don't know if this really – does i would say if you view it more through the lens of not who the players are but what we've seen from the staff i'm willing to wait and see but that's really if that's the best you can do in terms of a move i would argue it's probably not a good move right it's like well we have to wait and see you know the 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 thing there that that doesn't that where where, where the your logic for me stops being borderline soothing is that Bashad Breland also would have cost a pack of gum. He like the Vikings got him for a pack of gum it, in, in that analogy of, Hey, you can make it work with, with any of these guys. Traverius Ward has a higher cap at this year on his one year deal mm-hmm. with the chiefs. It would have been, you could have picked your, had your choice between the two of them. I don't know who I would have picked. It would have been very, very close. Um, you, you end up, Paying again, Mike Hughes, who, who's going to be involved there in my head because they they were they were the closest moves they made at corner this year, right? Yeah. Um, and and if there's any opportunity cost, either in roster space or salary cap space, there's this isn't this isn't not trading for Patrick Peterson, right? Like it's not it's not that they didn't take a expensive swing and also give up some draft picks for a guy that seems a, a bit past his prime. It just it was a pack of gum for the guy who had done it, but. We I, we don't have to dwell on it any any further than that. Can, can, um, can we'll, I, we'll talk about corner a ton, I'm sure. Can I say one more thing, Josh? Please, yeah, please. Um, couple things. Uh, the Chiefs could have taken a cornerback in the draft. They mm-hmm. had planned on it, but these things get very tricky in the late rounds. They made the selections they made. You have to move on. So they rewatched Mike Hughes' tape, obviously, mm-hmm. of when he was coming out for the draft. His first year, which is the most substantive sample you could have uh, of him as an NFL player. And they like what they saw and they feel like there are traits there. And so, you know, you make a move. We talked about the swap uh, from a pick standpoint, which is, you know, minimal. Uh, So it's 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 low risk. You're hoping for a high reward. The reward, I wonder, from a chief standpoint, and I, I haven't gotten any confirmation on this, uh, but this is like me taking an educational look at this. I wonder if they feel like they may not see the reaps or the reward of this trade until midway through the season, Mm. hopefully by November, late December, as the defense, as they, you know, have shown in the past, tends to get better, tends to find its strengths, tend to understand matchups. And obviously Tyron Matthew sort of connects the whole secondary as a whole because obviously he's great at football and is just a complete leader. Um, And I wonder too, 
based on age, years of service, the amount of games he's played. If the medical staff wondered about the durability left in Bashad Breeland, and if his production for the Vikings may be somewhat high or stable in September, October, but will will there be a understandable drop off later in the year? And the Chiefs are not thinking about. I mean, they're kind of thinking about September. Andy does, but like philosophically, seasons comes down to November. December, January, and hopefully early February, and how you play in those games and how you're trending to be a Super Bowl contender again. I just wonder if there's a balance and evaluation there. Um, no one said that straight up, but I've just wondered in terms of the people I've talked to on both sides of this, will Breland not be who he was in September going into December and will Mike Hughes, if he stays healthy, gigantic if, will what he be in September be much different than he, than what he could be in December if he finds a role, stays healthy, and obviously gets back to being the player that the Chiefs liked when he came out of the draft. We could literally spend this entire episode on Bashad Breeland. I'm not going to let myself take us there. I'm, we're not going to. I'm done. I Thank you, Nate, for your information. Thank you, Seth, for your information. I'm going to stop talking about Bashad <laughs> Breeland so I don't lose my mind. Um, you mentioned a name in there, though, Nate, that has also demanded some conversation recently. He had a tweet that he deleted, and then he told us he deletes a lot of tweets. And then he said at a press conference this week that he is expecting to sign a contract extension at some point with the Chiefs. He doesn't see himself wearing another uniform. Give me the Tyron Matthew contract extension update. He said everything you're supposed to say when you're supposed to get a contract extension. Um, <laughs> these words are sincere. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like, you know, uh, Tyron's main point uh, needs to be diminished in any way. It doesn't. Um, I, I think this has worked out for him. The most important thing uh, that he talked about on Thursday was, and I, I just want people to realize this more and more, this, this, is, this is a business, but there's also a lot of relationships involved. And he talked about, what he feels like the coaching staff and the front office have done to benefit him, to grow him as a man so that he can be a leader and impart wisdom to younger players, predominantly in the secondary, of course. So um, as I've written or on our Twitter or whatever, you know, here, there, wherever, um, I would still be surprised if training camp ends and there's no deal in place. If you're Ty Matthews agent, you want to deal before we ever put them pads on. Yeah. So uh, that's where we are. I think the team sees an advantage to doing a deal. Um, I think I'm going to take some time over the next week or two. If they don't do this by the time we stop hitting the record button <laughs> in the next week or two, I'll get a, a real understanding of like contract structuring, the numbers, what it could look like, salary cap situation. How does that project moving forward? Of course, with the numbers that, we anticipate if stadiums are back to being full. Um, I did that last year, and I correctly wrote in the athletic. You can look this up. Hey, uh, I think this was in a mailbag where somebody asked me, what, what's, what's Chris Jones's deal going to be if they actually do it before the deadline? And I said, four years, $20 million. That seems to be in line with where he is, where the team feels comfortable with the money structuring of it, and you get the player for at least two 
you probably got them for three. You would figure that out after, you know, after three going into year four. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly what you would do with the year part of the Tyron Matthews situation, but uh, it takes a while to sort of figure out where his status is, the cap situation of the team, uh, the respect. I'm not saying Tyron feels like he has to be the top paid safety, but he needs to be the top five, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. So when you put all that together, um, I'm assuming people are listening to this and crunching numbers right now. Yeah. <laughs> I would be. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I guess I should say I would be more surprised if we come out of camp and it's the third week of the preseason. Then I would start to get nervous if you know if I if I was a Chiefs fan wanting to make sure that Tyron Matthew was going to be on the team past you know this season. Seth, how does that make you feel? That makes me feel good. I think uh, Matthews played excellently for the Chiefs. He's been an integral part of their defense. I mean. It's a pretty easy one to see getting done. It's been kind of funny watching, and we'll see what happens because you never know. It is a business. But it's been kind of funny watching the angst surrounding his contract after the Jones stuff last year. And it makes me just think, like, when are we ever going to cease? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, until deadlines get there and all that stuff. When are we going to just relax a little and say, well... Never. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's, I think never is the correct never. response. Um, the interesting thing about signing Matthew this, you know, is that it would free up some money this year, and I don't think they're going to make any more moves this year that are necessarily aggressive, barring like an unprecedented opportunity. But uh, like, it, if like a future Hall of Fame wide receiver became available for I, a relatively doable, I'm still price. I'm still irritated about that. But that's, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I I think Julio, if I were a betting man, I think he's going to have an awesome year in Tennessee, and that's always going to be something I'm going to wonder about, regardless of how the year goes. Um, even if they win the Super Bowl, even if the Chiefs <laughs> win the Super Bowl, I'm going to wonder, like, man. Could they have scored 45 a game with Julio? Because I, I, you could talk me into believing that they could do that. You really could. But at the same time, there is a limit to what you can do in any given year. I mean, you're, you're starting to stretch the boundaries of the possible. So I, I, I think you know the long road to a short thought with Matthew, I, I feel good about the idea of them keeping him on board for you know another three or four years. Get that done. And then you can kind of start moving on to, okay, we've got the core in place, but that core is just going to rotate around Mahomes. Let's face it, right? Mm-hmm. Every three or four years, you're going to see mm-hmm. a rotation. Um, but Matthew is a huge part of this current iteration of the Chiefs defense. So, yeah, makes me happy. Seth, whenever I, – I, oh, where is the Super Bowl this year? I just realized that I don't know that. Los Angeles. In L.A. Okay, so Seth, here's what I'm proposing. You and I go to L.A. in our, uh, for me, Bashad Breland jersey, for you, Julio Jones jersey, and we we enjoy the Vikings-Titans uh, Super Bowl together, and we watch Julio <laughs> and Breland yeah. go Where Bashad Breland Bowl. has somehow turned Kirk Cousins into a franchise quarterback. Well, it's just that Bashad Breland has been like Nadi Asamoah meets uh, Darrell Revis meets Jalen Ramsey. He's like a full like it's he's you could Deion just say, Sanders in his prime. You could just say you could just say Darrell Revis because no one and this is a completely off topic thing and I'm being <laughs> that guy right now. No one may I and I've never watched Dion. You know I never watched primetime, so I don't know. 
I have never seen anyone play cornerback like Darrell Revis did. Like I don't know why Namdi Asimwa made such a such an impact in my in my football. Brain, he was but he really, really good he with the Raiders like in that yeah. in that system. He was excellent. But I did, you know Dwayne Bow did all right against him when Dwayne Bow had like that two year peak where he was really 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 good and people forget I, about. I that. remember I remember that well. Yes, thank you for reminding me of the like, of the Dwayne Bow peak. Maybe, Dwayne. maybe the greatest pre Patrick Mahomes era of Chiefs football in my <laughs> <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no one played corner like Revis. It'd be like. Oh, who am I lined up against today? And it did not matter who it was. Yeah. Nobody for about a two-year period did well against that dude, except maybe Stevie Johnson in the most bizarre Yeah, twist. also also bonkers. Yeah. Um, there was Sorry. an interesting story a while back about Stevie Johnson. If anyone wants to Google that for some light reading, it was it was very interesting. Oh, no. Um, his, his, no, no. Why? Oh, no. I, just because almost any time we're going to be Googling people, it's not for a great reason. Although no. right so, oh, go ahead. But it is wholesome. It's good. We're all right. Um, I mean, it's got its ups and downs and everything, but it's a story kind of with and about him. And I'm trying to find where it's from um, because it, I, I'm trying to also remember if it was a story from our very own wonderful athletic website. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find it. Um, but it, it just it was an interesting story about a guy who, you know, blew up for a short period of time and then disappeared relatively quickly. Hmm. Um, just it's just an interesting, it's an interesting story. Uh, okay, let's go. How do you guys feel about some uh, some more mini camp training camp, not training camp, OTAs and, and mini camp observations? We're not let's even. Yeah, we're not even. We're not even to training camp yet. Like yeah. this is, man. We are about to enter the grind, my friends, and yeah. it's going to be a lot. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Chris Jones has been a, a very large topic of conversation. I think we did a show after Spags's first presser um, where that came up a lot, but Chris Jones has talked recently. Jaron Reed has spoken recently. And uh, and Seth, you had written, I want to start with you on this because I, I just, I've got, I'm sort of of two minds on this. You, in your most recent mailbag up in the newsletter, you, you wrote a little bit about what you expect sort of Chris Jones's split to be. So give me kind of what you are thinking in an ideal world. And then Nate, you can take it right over from there in terms of what we've heard from Chris Jones so far. I'm going to give the the cheap answer to start off and say it obviously depends on how Mm -hmm. he adjusts to the additional responsibilities along the edge. He's going to have to play edge in a very specific way with run defense um, and even his pass rush a little bit because he's not as athletic as as a high end defensive end. And that's not a slight on him. That's just not the position he plays, right? It's like, you know, saying that, you know, a running back is has got good speed for a running back is very different than having good speed for a wide receiver, you know, or I mean, even more so actually it'd be more like linebacker and corner, right? Um, so he's going to have to play it a specific way. He's going to have to be pretty disciplined. He's going to have to get used to not necessarily being a wrecking ball all the time. If that's the case and they really are committed to it, I could see him playing, you know, a third of his snaps there, especially early downs where they say, look, we want to be really stout against the run. We want to have a guy on the edge that we know tackles can't wall off and we know they can't get push on. So we know he can set the edge. And I mean, that you want to talk about one thing that Chris Jones is very prepared to do from the edge is set it because I don't see any tackle capable of moving him other than maybe like Trent Williams. So... I could see like a third of his snaps being there. I have a hard time believing they are genuinely going to all out, you know, you're playing 60% of your snaps at defensive end. I have a hard time believing that just because he's such a gifted rusher from the three tech spot. That said, 
I think he could be awesome from edge too. And if they really like Jaron Reed, you know, playing around in that same area or Tashawn Wharton playing around in that same area, this is how you get your best four on the field. So with that in mind, based <laughs> on what my eyes observed this week, uh, Chris Jones is go. I mean, they're going to really try this. I it's, it was a real treat to watch Chris Jones coming from the edge. Not one snap, not two rep, all the reps. Um, oh, yeah. So here's what's fascinating because I have written a story. It has not been published yet. I think uh, my great editor, Brendan Roberts, I think we're setting it for Monday morning. So uh, be on the lookout uh, because, uh, you know, there will be a Chris Jones, Frank Clark story bob moi who is who is as i try to explain like there are so many ripple effects and puzzle pieces to this because what i saw for two days was really fascinating and there's one rep in mind that i write about in the story that is gonna hold my brain from now until when they put the pads on in camp because God, for the love of God, you're killing me, Taylor. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, I gotta know. You got ah. you, you, you got you, you're just gonna have to read it on Monday. Stabbing, somebody stabbing Seth right now, Seth. Are you okay? Just a little My impatience tease. is being stabbed. My my Does did someone named Taylor break into your house and start stabbing you <laughs> to death? Oh, Taylor, you're killing me. Taylor, I'm dying. I'm bleeding out, Taylor. This look, isn't a metaphor. Look, someone broke into my home. Yeah, 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 this is not a metaphor. I am literally dying. <laughs> as you guys are like, wow, Seth's really, look, you know, buying into this. Look, there was just there was a rep on Wednesday. Uh three hundred fans saw it. Maybe they weren't looking as Closely as I was, maybe they were tracking the ball. Although I don't know, I don't know, guys. It would be hard to miss. <laughs> like there was just one rep that I'm just like, we have something here. We really do, and you should go read it on theathletic.com Monday morning. Now, sorry. Ultimately, this will not work, kids, unless Frank Clark is right. Mm. It just, it just won't work. I don't care. If Chris Jones turns into Reggie with a little mix of Aaron, with a little mix of straight hand, like on the edge, it, it, it will not work unless Frank Clark um, gets the results of basically what he said on Tuesday, which is I am rededicating myself to my craft. And um, that was honest from Frank. I've always appreciated Frank because he's honest, good, bad, or in between. Like, I think the guy who took the – outside of Patrick because, you know, he was running for you-know-what in Super Bowl 55, I think Frank Clark was someone who was honest enough to say, holy smokes, we got beat in a way that was um, not expected and completely ready to look in the mirror, like getting on the plane back from Tampa. So – he is an interesting subplot to this season because not only does he have the biggest cap hit, not only is he making the most money from the salary cap this season, um, he has been pretty, you know, are you ready? Been pretty frank about, okay. I need to rededicate myself to being a top-line player. If that happens, then it will give Chris Jones more opportunities to do what he's always wanted to do, which is rush from the edge. Jaron Reed. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay productive. 
you don't think about Derek Naughty the way I think about Derek Naughty, but Derek Naughty needs to play like he on a contract year. Mm-hmm. All these things need to work for this experiment to really get off the ground and like in the air. But man, there were some times with a little Tayshawn Wharton mixed in with a little, um, he's still a freak no matter what size he is, Colin Saunders. Like, there's just, there's a nice little blend. Can I tell you about a little speed rush from Taco Charlton that uh, that got to Orlando Brown? It was like, oh, I, I wasn't expecting this. Now, again, there were no pads. So, hey, take it for what you will. But the D-line looking good right now with no pads. Understanding that it's just June. But, man, if this works, what you're hoping is Frank Clark had a get-back season and Chris Jones wanting to prove something to the highest degree uh, had an unforgettable season playing both outside and inside, depending upon the matchups. Now, I am going to read for you a quote, ladies and gentlemen, from Frank Clark that was posted 22 hours ago on his Instagram page. Boys, are y'all ready? I'm so ready for this. I'm very ready for this. This is the caption of just him at practice. I assume either Tuesday or Wednesday. But this is Frank Clark re-announcing himself in the football world. Quote! Really got something for the ass this time around. <laughs> End quote. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can I? I'm gonna whisper to you guys really quick because I don't want. I'm not trying to start anything, but I do think I just. I don't know why this even crossed my mind, but I did, and I've got a pretty thin filter. So here it is. If the last number fifty-five would have come out after a bad season and said, "I have rededicated myself to my craft." That dude would have been lit on fire. The, <laughs> Twitter would have been unforgiving to the to the other fifty five who played that position here recently. If he had a pretty dookie season that got followed up by, "Well, I'm rededicating myself to my craft." I I know I know Frank Clark had some injury stuff. So did D Ford. Excuse me. So did the last fifty five. <laughs> can I? Can I? Tell and that you? was never an allowed excuse. Can I tell you an NFL stat that'll be in this story on on uh, on I Monday? Would love, I would love that. Frank Clark is the fifth highest ranking pass rusher in NFL postseason history based on sacks. <laughs> you know, I I would just say. So it's like in ele- in eleven games. I'm gonna look this up again. In eleven games, in eleven postseason games, Frank Clark has eleven sacks. Take that for what you will. That's fifth most in NFL postseason history. I just that have is- such a time with that as a metric, though, man. I all I'll say it is. I'll say it is. The other fifty-five cannot say that. No, that's true. And I that's- mean, that's that's correct. It's just also that Frank Clark could do that because he plays on a team with Patrick Mahomes. And well, then previously played a team also, with Russell Wilson. He also has four years of excellent tape. D Ford had one. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, and it's so just, I th- he's gotten treated very differently. He has gotten treated very differently. I think in part because he played very differently the vast majority of his career. That said, you're not wrong that oh, the way someone presents I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to say I just think it's interesting. It's a, you know, so here's the deal. I, Nate, that was all awesome to hear. The, the best Steve Spagnolo defenses featured 
terrifying defensive lineman who could line up anywhere. Um, and it would be really cool to see them be able to do something like that. The ceiling of the defense is very weird this year mm. because so much depends on what do we get from Clark. And, and you know, is Jaron Reed what he was just last year? His tape was good last year. He's a good, consistent rusher. Um, he's good against the rhyme. He's a good player. And he is the best player, I would say, the Chiefs have had in terms of consistent pass rush. He's the best player the Chiefs have had next to Chris Jones. And the the ceiling there, if Clark is like 2018 Clark or 2017 Clark or 2016 Clark or even down the stretch 2019 Clark, the ceiling for that defense is really high. So that, that see, now I'm all excited, man. Now, see, I, I was very ready to be like, ah, this is just something they're going to throw in there as a changeup. Now I'm like, well, you know, maybe Chris Jones could get 20 sacks from the edge. Like, my, my, my hopes are far too high now, and I blame you, Nate. It's okay. Just look, I'm a, I don't care where the season goes from here. That one rep on Wednesday's practice, my God. And, oh, I'm just saying from a football standpoint. So, again, athletic.com Monday morning. I mean, I'm, I will be I will be there for because I have no idea what Nate is talking about. Uh, I, oh, he mentioned Frank. And, okay, I'm not going to sit here and speculate. Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. He, here are three little quick hitters. Then we got to get out of here for today. Nate, quick. Can I get a Patrick Mateau update? <laughs> he looks good. Thank you, Seth. Um, I don't really see any issues. Uh, as he said on Thursday, he should be fully healthy come camp. Training camp. Nate. Nate, the Chiefs cut Martinez Rankin and added a, 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 a tryout receiver. The moves you make in late June. Uh, here's one that I thought was kind of strange because I honestly did not realize he wasn't on a team. Mike Pinnell signed with the Bears. I don't know what his his number is. But that, I mean, they went and got Jaron Reed, so I'm guessing that probably mm-hmm. – they, they got plenty of depth in the interior there, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. little Mac Nagy special. Got yeah. Mike Pinnell. Got, uh, got Damian – uh, you know, well, I mean, just say, you know, give me some of that 2019 magic, fellas. And then last thing, this is a bigger topic that we're not going to be able to get into in depth here, but something to keep an eye on. You guys have both talked and written about the two tight end sets and Noah Gray oh. quite a bit recently. Oh, 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 oh. Me, each of you guys can have like a minute on Noah Gray and then and the two He's tight end sets. He's still the white horse, kids. He's still <laughs> the white horse. He's so <laughs> look, okay. I, look, I know I kind of <laughs> dampened your mood with the Trey Smith stuff. I love Blake Bell. Blake Bell is a professional. Noah Gray is that white horse. He's still on the beach, y'all. Looking effervescent. <laughs> Looking effervescent. It's June. Why are you? <laughs> Look, some hype trains are ready to get on. Some, I kind of need the pads. But hey, did you? Okay, two things here. Okay, I just, I just want to acknowledge two things. When it comes to Noah Gray, are you guys ready? Yes. So last year, this was a stat that I found super illuminating. But, you know, Andy Reid has always wanted to play with two tight ends because it creates chaos and mismatch problems 
for the defense for obvious reasons that we really don't need to get to if you're obviously a, a football fan who's been watching the league for for a long time. Um, did, did, did some did some searching, did some research based on True Media. Shout out to them. Um, Patrick Mahomes threw for 899 yards, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, and being sacked once in 96 dropbacks last year with two tight ends on the field. And guess what, kids? Six. That's that's with, uh, yes, Deion Yolder. Yes, Nick Kaiser. Yes, uh, Ricky Stills Jones. Okay, um, Noah Gray might be better than all them dudes right now. Needless to say, he threw for eight ninety nine nine and zero. So yeah, they should probably increase the number of snaps where he has two tight ends on the field, particularly if Noah Gray is who we think he is. Now, I have covered Travis Kelsey for four years. Travis Kelsey, very smart guy. Obviously, he's got a great personality. Understands the game at a superhuman level that I don't mm-hmm. think fans truly appreciate. Absolutely. He said some quotes about Noah Gray that I have never heard him say about any tight end who has ever been on this roster with him. Mm-hmm. So they, I, I, I just, again, he is such a beautiful white horse, guys. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> he's years ahead of being a rookie, which is awesome. In quote, Travis Kelsey Set of Noah Gray, okay. Now, I don't know if the I don't know if the beach is going to get a little bit more unsandy. Mm-hmm. If there's going to be rocks, if seagulls are all of a sudden going to start showing up, <laughs> I feel like this analogy is falling apart. But right now, he is a beautiful horse. It's either falling apart or it's becoming an Old Spice commercial. What do you yeah. think? Seth? Not about you know, the commercial thing. Yeah, or a uh, or a Reno Reno nine one one skin. Oh no, a beached whale. You know, like there's there's all sorts of things here. Um, with Noah Gray, he showed up when you would when you watch him at Duke. It was frustrating that they didn't run more of the offense through him. I think that was probably because the uh, the quarterback. Well, there was stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When you go from watching Mahomes to watching certain college quarterbacks, it's like, yikes. And I'm sure that quarterback is better at that football than I am at anything. But yikes. So I, the way he moves, his ability to his quick twitch, um, he's got some explosion, and he just moves very fluidly. He's And that's something that you don't see with a lot of guys his size. And I really like some of the things the Chiefs did with H-backs last year, including lining up Kelsey there way more. Um, It allows them to be blocking in space as opposed to just this straight-up inline blocking stuff. So they know how to use a guy with his skill set. And having two of them on the field, because that's the ceiling, right? Or, you know, the idea is Kelsey Light, which is... You know, that's a lot to ask of anyone (laughs) because, again, what Travis Kelsey does well is kind of similar like Mitch Schwartz. You can't expect other people to duplicate that because most people don't have the mental capacity to understand the game the way Travis Kelsey does. It's just not possible for most people. But Noah Gray can move a little bit like Kelsey can. Now, does that mean a guarantee of anything? Of course not. But the fact that he's still doing well and that Kelsey's giving him praise, that dude should be following Kelsey around everywhere. Like, annoying him at this point. Like, Travis opens his eyes in the morning, kind of, like, blinks a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, man, I got to get up in the morning. And then he just hears out of the nothingness of his bedroom, Travis. Ah! You know, and it's and it's Noah Gray. <laughs> like, hey, man, I just had a couple questions about the playbook. <laughs> and that is 
Now, Noah, I'm not encouraging you to uh, commit misdemeanor trespass. Nor, like, nor is, nor is uh, Miss Kayla. No, nor is that. No, nor no is none of them want that. But I'm just saying that I'm just, he should be shadowing Kelsey everywhere. The ceiling there is intriguing. Reed does like doing two tight end sets, and they tried. Demetrius Harris was on the field over a third of the time, hmm. and he just lacked a certain something. Um, he good blocker and occasionally made some nice plays, but he didn't have that same fluidity to have like a full route tree or anything like that. If Gray can do that, it really opens up some possibilities, and it makes that number two wide receiver question a little less of a big deal. Like if you've got like an H-back type that's on the field half the time that's running some of those, you know, intermediate stuff that we're panicking about, who's the X receiver? It suddenly becomes less important if you're doing more two tight end stuff. You can take that with you there. That can be your your, your final word everybody and we will uh, we're about to hit a little bit of that uh that quiet that quiet zone of of the uh, football offseason. Although I do think you know, we'll we'll have some time to check in on things like Tyron Matthew possibly getting an extension. Um, our schedule, we're, we're going to do a show at some point again, not too terribly long in the future. I think we were talking about this a little bit uh, a day or two ago. Maybe we'll do just a full-on mailbag episode in another uh, maybe a couple of weeks. I don't mm-hmm. know. And obviously, if anything major happens, mm-hmm. we will we'll see the bat signal and we'll all assemble back together. But we won't leave you alone until training camp or anything like that. But uh, we are entering that time now of... Scrolling through Twitter and waiting to see what random Twitter disagreement fuels sports media for two weeks. And, uh, you know, then we might not have to do an emergency episode just for the next time that Mike Rimmers gets roasted on the Internet for some reason. But uh, we'll we'll be around. And also, of course, if you want to follow all of us and all the things that we're doing, you can do that on Twitter. Uh, Nate is at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at real MN Chiefs fan. And folks, this is a fully verified on Twitter yeah, podcast buddy. now. At JB Briscoe with the blue check mark. My infinity stones are coming together nicely. I got the first one. Uh, so you can follow us on Twitter at those places. Nate's got the story coming out on Monday on The Athletic. Seth has the things on The Athletic Plus, the Chief of the North Newsletter. You can hear me on Sports Radio 810 as well. I think that does it for everybody. And if it does, Nate, I'll let you sit this off into the, the month of, of no no practices that we're about to enter it is such a treat to talk to you guys thank you all for listening um we made it through the offseason guys like the offseason's over the next time you'll hear our voice we'll be actually talking about the season so uh can't thank you all enough both for your patience and for your uh amazing enthusiasm and yeah the next time you'll hear us i'm sure tyron matthew will be a chief for life